I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. Uh, my name's Tim May. This is the Tim May Podcast, pretty aptly named. Uh, yet another edition. Uh, this thing is kind of flying high. I don't know if it's because of my charm, wit, and uh, good looks or if it's because Ohio State football is taking off like a jet plane. Uh, if you watch the game on Saturday night, Ohio State at Nebraska it was supposed to be the first true test for the 2019 Buckeyes. Uh <laughs> I would say they passed it with flying colors and then some, and with Jeffrey Okuda and Chase Young doing their thing on defense, and uh, Justin Fields, uh, J.K. Dobbins doing their things on offense, the offensive line taking care of business, which I'm going to talk about later in the show. Going to analyze a play for you, my favorite play again from from that game, an almost perfectly blocked play again by the Ohio State offensive line and the defense uh, holding sway. And in special teams, Drew Christman, I think, got one punt. Am I right about that, uh, Austin? And, uh, you know, too bad it hit the five but rolled into the end zone. It, was all, it would have been a perfect night for the Ohio State Buckeyes. But I digress. Bottom line, uh, Ohio State plays Michigan State this week, another, quote, ranked, end quote, opponent. And uh, – <laughs> Uh, and to talk about the Spartans, I've got a guy who has been covering the Spartans since I think it was Michigan Agriculture and Mechanical School. Did I have that right, Jack? In 1922. No, it wasn't 1922. Yeah. When you talk about the first real test for Ohio State Saturday, it, the test was whether they would fall asleep in the second half. There you go. Ladies and gentlemen, you, if you live in the Lansing area, you recognize those dulcet tones of uh, Jack Ebling, longtime <laughs> sports writer turned radio personality host, award-winning uh, sports writer, award-winning uh, uh, radio uh, talk show host, uh, worked what, with the Lansing State Journal for how many years, Jack? 25 and then I escaped. And then he escaped and became a voice of the of mid a voice of mid Michigan. Hey Jack, welcome to my show, man. Thanks for coming on. And I'm really glad that you named it the Tim May Podcast. If you'd named it the Bill Bender Podcast, yeah. I'd have been very concerned. There'd have been confused people out there. I want to make it I, I want to make it but I the I digress podcast, but uh, nobody here seems to jump on that. Uh, I think it's a great <laughs> idea, a name for a show. Real quick, give us an update. On, on Michigan State, where they stand, this is a perplexing team when you watch them. Yeah. Uh, they lose to Arizona State because they couldn't kick two straight field goals. Uh, well, first they couldn't right. count to 11, and then they couldn't kick another uh, right. field goal after that. Other than that, Michigan State would be rolling in undefeated. I don't know if rolling is the right word, uh, kind of yeah. bumpity, bumpity, bumpity in undefeated. Be but creeping in undefeated, maybe. Bingo, getting pushed in, you know, but uh, – Bottom line is, how good is this team, Jack, at this moment, uh, what, four or five games into the season? Well, I would say that uh, this is as good a defense as there is in the league, except uh, huh. Indiana and Michael Penix Jr. completed 20 straight passes on Saturday. So I don't know if I can say that anymore, but wow. suddenly the offense wakes up and Brian Lewerke and Daryl Stewart, who's uh, Big Ten's leading receiver, and say he's the best receiver, but he has the best stats. And Brian Lewerke has the most attempts, completions, and yards in the Big Ten, which mm -hmm. is somewhat of a departure for a Mark D'Antonio team. 
Well, that's called hallelujah that you're behind and the quarterback gets to throw the ball a little bit. You follow my drift? Uh, <laughs> number two, this is what's it's what's been uh, gnawing at me for a while now, Jack, when you analyze Michigan State. I mean, you know, Big yeah. Ten meetings, you're sitting there and we're talking to Mark D'Antonio, and he goes, we got – Man, we gotta. We can't be losing games ten to seven, thirteen to ten. You know, you got to be able to yeah. score points. So he shook up his offensive staff. Didn't really bring anybody in new, though, did he? I mean, who did he? Did he bring anyone in new with new ideas? Uh, no. What they did was shuffle responsibilities. We call it the D'Antonio shuffle. There you go. Uh, some people said it was like rearranging deck chairs on the Titanic, but. <laughs> Uh, yeah, they did move some people around and Brad Salem now is, uh, given a little bit of uh, life to the offense, which was beyond stagnant last year. In the last four losses, Michigan state scored seven, six, six, and six, Wow, 25 points in four L's. Wow. Uh, what is he, what has he brought to the table? The, uh, just the propensity to pass the ball more what's been the biggest change you've seen from observing? yeah more passing um but i think when they pass is uh, as big an issue as how many times and a few different wrinkles uh formations that were different uh michigan state liked to play football in the phone booth not so much this year right uh, they'll still line up that way from time to time but uh, you know, they're in the bunch formations and trips and those kinds of things that Michigan State didn't do a lot of. Um, Brian Lewerke, pretty comfortable now as a senior quarterback. And, uh, you know, he's had a decent year. He's uh, thrown for about 300 yards a game. Hmm. And he's got a lot of guys out there, a lot of different targets who can catch the ball. Yeah. I mean, there's, you know, for most coaches, there's nothing more comforting than having your starting quarterback back. And then last year, yeah. Like, you know, things just went south for Michigan State this year. There has been, like you said, Antonio's wanted to commit more. Yeah. You know, the interesting thing about comparing what, what what went on between Indiana and Michigan State on Saturday with what yeah. went on between Ohio State and Indiana three weeks ago. Oh, yeah. Is, yeah. The, you know, Indiana didn't have Michael Penix Jr. And uh, and he definitely is is a is a better quarterback, well rounded quarterback than Peyton Ramsey. But yeah, what what did Indiana expose? Do you think uh, Michigan State uh, on Michigan State's defense, from what you could tell? Well, they had what I call a lot of long handoffs, and uh, they were passes out to the flat, yeah. and sometimes they worked, sometimes they didn't, but. Uh, they had a guy named Wap Filliard, you who go. you probably remember. By the way, uh, you know, he's by, – by the way, ladies and gentlemen, I think we may have covered this before I State played yeah. in Indiana, but he got yeah. the nickname from liking yeah. Whoppers, uh, yes. Burger King Whoppers. Maybe we can get them as a sponsor on the show. But uh, <laughs> go ahead now. Wap Filliard, one of the great names yeah. ever. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And uh, he had a Whopper of a day, actually. Yeah, he was uh, – <laughs> <laughs> catching the ball about every 30 seconds, it seems. So. Uh, but Indiana was ahead in the fourth quarter. Michigan State had to rally to tie and then uh, came back and kicked the field goal. Uh, what should have been the last play of the game, but there were five seconds left. And then <laughs> Indiana tried one of those uh, four lateral plays, and next thing you know, the ball's back in the end zone. Ohio State had one of those, I think, against Northwestern. Yeah. Exactly. A few years ago, exactly. and uh, suddenly the last play of the game, uh, I think I remember in that Ohio State-Northwestern game, it actually influenced the spread. Yeah, probably uh, did. Probably did. Yeah, yeah. 
But uh, this gave Michigan State a very deceptive nine-point win. That sounds like somebody who might have lost money on that Ohio State-Northwestern game way back when. But I digress. You know how you remember all your bad shots in golf, you know? Yeah. Uh, I think I know somebody uh, looking in the mirror here who might have won some money. <laughs> oh, there you go, ladies and gentlemen. Boom, boom. Yeah. Uh, well, you know, bottom line, is this defense – I mean, what, what's your take on this Michigan State defense? Is it up to D'Antonio's snuff? I mean, where yeah, would you put it, it right is. now? I think it is. You know, they held Arizona State to 10. Yeah. Uh, they've been terrific. They're in right there, top five run defense. Uh, they were right there last year, too. And, and Joe Bocci is a tremendous been linebacker. They have six guys, Tim, uh, off this defense who I think will be in the NFL next year. And Michigan State's never had more than five defensive players drafted in one year. Yeah, wow. I mean, that's interesting because, I mean, you know, I've been – telling folks uh, this is going to be Ohio State's first, I think, true test of its offense going against a great defense. And uh, that I, do you see it the same way? I mean, this could be that, – that could be the crux of this game. Go ahead. It could be. And people around here are saying, well, remember 2013 and remember 15. They don't say remember 2017. Right. And that was when the <laughs> terrific Ohio State team was motivated. Yeah. And came out, and I think it was a hundred to nothing. Yeah, it was. I think at halftime. But you're right. Yeah, I exactly. Mean, Mike Weber just scored again, by the way. Yeah. So. Well, hey, you know, now let's get your take. I know you watched at least the first half before you went to sleep on Saturday night. Yeah. Because uh, you're early to bed, early to rise, kind of guy. But uh, what was your take? <laughs> what was your take on Ohio State and the beating they put on the uh, frost warnings? Yeah, uh, I was. A little surprised because I know how much this game meant to Nebraska and it was game day and they made such a big deal about this. And I'd heard Nebraska people saying, you know, they were going to do what Iowa did and what Purdue did to Ohio State. And uh, that didn't happen. And it was over early. What but a lot of these Ohio yeah. State games are over early. What impressed so. what impressed you right out of the gate about Ohio State is you just it's, it's you just think about that game don't not specific players et cetera but what just impressed you about Ohio State's approach speed aggressiveness confidence Justin Fields is a little better than I thought he would be and I thought he'd be good mm -hmm. I didn't think he'd have six touchdowns in a quarter <laughs> uh, I just think that with Ryan Day they haven't missed a beat maybe they've added another element. Uh, a lot of people thought, okay, he looks like a pretty good young coach, but there's going to be an adjustment period. Instead, he's been uh, Lincoln Riley 2.0. Mm -hmm. uh, so I would say that uh, this Ohio State team, uh, I am not an AP poll voter, but if I were, I'd be very tempted to make them number one in the country. Yeah, I think a lot of people have been convinced of that. I mean, Joel Klatt, you know, get, came up with his top uh, four or five yeah. uh, revealed. Uh, Kirk Herbstreit was saying that after the game on Saturday night yeah. about Ohio State. Matter of fact, uh, Kirk and some of those guys on uh, ABC were or ABC ESPN were saying that before the game. They thought Ohio State had been the most imp the most impressive team in the country so far among the elite. And uh, you know, yeah. it's it's really funny though how people still vote about yesterday and not not today. You know, with Clemson. Right. I mean, Clemson. It's, just, it's not the same Clemson, at least not yet, that it was at the end of the year last year. That's for sure. And uh, Well, so, you will know that Ohio State has arrived if, if Desmond Howard picks the Buckeyes to beat the Wolverines in the last game of the year. Yeah. <laughs> well, that may be bad for the Buckeyes. You know how that goes, right? They're, <laughs> they're called reverse psychology. Hey, uh, 
real quick. Tell me who's impressed you. Who's the most impressive player? Is it oh, I mean, Justin Fields or is it Chase Young? No, it's both. I mean, uh, that's the thing Ohio State's got going for it. There are three guys on this team right now, four really. When you think about J.K. Dobbins has been renewed at running back, uh, but with a threat at running at quarterback, we're running quarterback has just upped a J.K. Dobbins game. And then Master Teague the third. We're going to talk about him later in this show when I bring my my uh, Boston award on. I call him Boston. His real name's Austin, but he's my boss. You know what I'm saying? Uh, so <laughs> I, I respect those above me, Mister Ebling. But uh, I but I digress. Uh, you know, Master Teague the third is just giving them this. Uh, this second element in their running game uh, from the running back standpoint, which, I mean, I, th- I think you saw that lightning drive they had just before halftime. He touched yeah. the ball all three times. But then defensively, I mean, Chase Young, but, you know, Jeffrey Okuda has those two interceptions on Saturday. you got to remember, like, uh, until two weeks ago, Jeffrey Okuda, who might be the elite cornerback in the country this year, had had zero interceptions at Ohio State. He could should have had two two weeks ago. And uh, – against uh who was that they played two weeks ago uh yeah miami ohio I, i'll soon they forget right <laughs> but uh and then last oh, miami of ohio would like to forget yeah exactly uh and then uh boom right out of the gate he said you know jeff Halfley, the the new defensive backs coach and co-coordinator on the defense uh uh basically kept telling me hey you play the game play your game play your responsibility and those plays will come well, holy right. smokes, he makes a great interception with Chase Young chasing, pardon the expression, uh, Adrian Martinez to the edge, throws the ball, and uh, Jeffrey Okuda breaks on it for an interception. And then his second interception on, on Saturday night, he's laying on his back, and the ball lands right in his hands. <laughs> wow. That's called inevitability. And uh, that's what they've got going for him. But th- these are two guys that anybody, any college team would pick. So – those are my three or four guys that just are just standouts right now. That's not even naming the entire defensive line, the entire offensive line, which the entire offensive sure. line has just has been stellar. I, mean, I think it showed up on Saturday night, didn't it, as you were watching? Yes, I did. And, uh, yeah, I think there's a chance, a legitimate chance, Tim, that Michigan State can hold Ohio State in the 30s. Uh, you know, maybe 35, which mm-hmm. sounds like a lot of points, but for Ohio State that's – less than a half's production uh, sometimes. But here's the reason I don't think Michigan State is going to be in this in the fourth quarter. Uh, they have a fourth-string left tackle on offense playing. Mm-mm. Now, when Chase Young looks at that video, uh, he's going to be drooling all over himself. Mm-hmm. And uh, they lost Cole Chewins, and then they lost AJR Curie, and then they moved – their best lineman, Kevin Jarvis, out from guard to left tackle. Mm-hmm. And then he got hurt. So now they have another guard playing out there. And uh, I can just see number two zeroing in on uh, Brian Lewerke's backside the whole game. <laughs> Doesn't Kid Jim Bowman uh, work some miracles uh, this week? I mean, what's your, th- what's your thought on that? Uh, did you see Jim Bowman work miracles at Ohio State? I. Well, he did all right at Ohio State, you know, as long as yeah. he was working under Jim Trussell. I mean, Jim Bob yeah. was one of the great guys I've ever met, but, you know. Oh, I mean, absolutely. Everybody, uh, everybody gets challenged now and again, if you follow yeah. my drift. <laughs> but if you've got your first three left tackles injured, yes. uh, it's going to take good. more than Jim Bowman. Yeah. 
Well, that's not good, especially with Ohio State having its fleet of defensive linemen ready to rock and roll, you know. And they, right. and the thing right. about it is they twist and stunt and do all kinds of things too, kind of like what Michigan State's been doing forever. And yeah. uh, that that will be the dance that uh, that I'll be watching is Michigan State's, like you said, depleted offensive line against Ohio State's fleet of uh, defensive linemen. Hey, one other quick thing before you go. Yeah. Is What's your take on – you know, and you may not even want to talk about it right now, but the lawsuit has come up, you know, with the former uh, uh, recruiting coordinator up there. Yeah. I mean, yeah. D'Antonio's, had a, Blackwell. Yeah. Yeah. D'Antonio's had a tough couple of off-seasons, you know, or if that's what you want to yeah. call it. I mean, uh, how much is that stuff distracting, you think, from uh, from what they're trying to get done up there? Well, I don't think it matters too much to the players. Uh, they seem immune to that kind of thing. That class in 2016 – uh, a lot of players have left from that one particular class when Blackwell was there. Yeah. And, you know, it may be a distraction down the road, but I don't think right now it, it is. It, it may be if it comes to court proceedings, but D'Antonio hasn't been deposed yet. And uh, <laughs> Curtis Blackwell, some people love him, some, some couldn't stand him. But he was going to be released because he just wasn't a good fit. You know what D'Antonio is like. Yes. And, uh, you know, he's not for everyone. And not everyone can work for him. And uh, he and Blackwell, I don't think they ever were really on the same page. So before any of the problems really hit, uh, he was not going to renew his contract. Yeah, gotcha. And, uh, you know, now that Blackwell can, can make allegations and we'll see what happens. He's looking for money, and he's got uh, you know a case against uh, former athletic director and the uh, university in general. So yeah. we'll see if he can either uh, restore his reputation or uh, fatten up his uh, his wallet. Gotcha, boy, Jack. I was going to tell you that uh, uh, Chris Ash, uh, you know, he's got those Buckeye ties, right? Yeah, yeah, he was yeah. there for a couple of years. He's getting a $9 million settlement, and in his time at Rutgers, he won eight games. So that's you know pretty you good. You know what you call that? That's good work that? if you can find it. Absolutely. <laughs> that's what my dad used to say, man. You get $2 an hour, that's son, that's good work if you can find it. You can make more than a, a million dollars per win. You know, that's Letterman Row kind of money. You know what that, You know what that's called, Jack? You know, I'm going to have you on again because, you know, you and I are two guys from the old school, or not old school, <laughs> but the old days. We know how things were 40 yeah. years ago when uh, when a bowl game was considered a bonus for schools, you know, and uh, bowl oh, yeah. money, you would put it into, like, the, the reconstruction fund for later, you know. And uh, now, right. now these teams are guaranteed so much money from the Big Ten Network and uh, yeah. and the TV things. It's, they literally are treating it from a contract standpoint like monopoly money. And uh, it's crazy how it's gone. And, yeah, I mean, I like Chris Ash. I, he was always – nice guy to me and i thought he did a sure. hell of a job when he's at ohio state he helped re- revolutionize you know tackling safer tackling throughout college football with that bringing in that rugby style and stuff to ohio yeah. state and everybody started copying it uh clearly didn't get the job done at at rutgers and but uh it's just crazy you agree how much money just is just thrown away almost anymore oh, yeah. in major college yeah. football absolutely absolutely you know you talk about the rutgers situation and you think about Saquon Barkley, he'd committed to Rutgers. Jonathan Taylor, he'd committed to Rutgers. Yep. And then suddenly Penn State swoops in. Wisconsin sees him in a track meet. 
Yeah. And uh, hey. next thing you know, Rutgers got nothing except playing against them. Yeah, that uh, Wisconsin discovering him at a track meet reminded me of that scene from Forrest Gump where uh, Bear Bryant is at that you know that football practice, and he, <laughs> I don't care, he sure can run, you know, about Forrest Gump, and you know, next thing you know, Jonathan Taylor's a Heisman Trophy candidate. Uh, uh, well, hey, one of the quick thing before you go, um, yeah, do you think, do you think? Uh, the team down south of y'all, it's a team from up north from here, but do you think the team down yeah. south from from y'all, what do you think is going to happen as this season goes along? I mean, we've all seen teams rebound from early losses uh, throughout sure. the years. Ohio State got beat got beat pretty soundly at home by Virginia Tech in 2014. Meanwhile, right. at the end of the year, they're the national champion with their third-string quarterback. What do you think, does Michigan get his act together as this season goes along? Well, Michigan has players, uh, but I think maybe it's two best coaches last year are now in Columbus. Huh. And ladies and uh, gentlemen, he's talking about Greg Madison, defensive coordinator for the Buckeyes, the resurgent Ohio State defense, yeah. and uh, Al Washington Jr., linebackers coach. Go ahead now, Jack. Yeah. So uh, I think Michigan's problem is leadership and the fact that it is consistently, consistently – the most overrated, overhyped program in America. And it is mind-boggling to me that when we were in Chicago, Michigan was the choice to win the Big Ten championship. Mm-hmm. I, even, uh, I I agreed. Remember, I was on your show up there. You did. You and I did. Said, I said, I just don't get it. I mean, if you just follow recruiting, if you follow right. X, Y, and Z, you know, of course, Nebraska yeah. was everybody's darling pick to win the Big Ten West because it was going to be somebody different from Wisconsin, you know, and uh, – yeah. Wow. I called it, you know, it's funny because I called Saturday's Ohio State game at, at Nebraska a reality check game. This was before the game uh, yeah. because you were going to see whether Ohio State should be considered now by everyone the uh, proper favorite for the Big Ten for a third straight year and whether yeah. Nebraska was really back. And uh, the reality check was yes and no. <laughs> Well, I guess there's always a chance, and we've seen it. Uh, yeah. Michigan has stung Ohio State a few times back uh, 95 and 96, and then 69. even going back further than that. But yeah. uh, I would not be surprised uh, when it's all said and done if Michigan is a fourth-place team in the East. Yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't be either. It could happen. Hey, well, last question. Uh, speaking of stingers, the stingers that yeah. hurt the worst, 2013 – Ohio State's playing for a Big Ten championship, 24-0 yeah. in the first two years under Urban Meyer and a team named Michigan State, pop. 2015, Ohio State is uh, right there, is going to return to the college football playoffs for sure. All they got to do is get by this kind of like this uh, Michigan State team that's starting a quarterback nobody had ever heard of unless they grew up in Lima. Boom. Storm <laughs> rolls in, pop. What do you think? Right. Is, is a pop – is a pop possible on Saturday night in Ohio Stadium? I don't know that this Ohio State team is going to relax. And I think back to some of the wins Michigan State's had, even going back, uh, you know, um, Michigan State beat Ohio State three times in four years back when Archie was there. And uh, you think about uh, the the 98 game with Julian Peterson and (laughs) – that Ohio State team was phenomenal, I thought. Yeah. Uh, next thing you know, uh, 
Bert, uh, Bert just Hill had the ball in the corner of the end zone. So. Yeah, Bert just kept I don't throwing the ball until it stuck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't think it's going to happen, but I, I guess I've seen stranger things happen. Levi Jackson, Levi Jackson, strange. Levi Jackson, right down the, yeah. right, the right sideline there in, in Michigan there you go. Spartan Stadium. I mean, yeah. uh, Ohio State has, you know, has Michigan State on his brain. I'm sure this week and going against a really great defense. Hey, Jack, I really appreciate you coming on my show, man. And of course, reciprocal Anytime. action. Uh, I think in a trade-off now, it's kind of like when uh, when Ohio <laughs> State uh, schedules, let's say Tulsa. You get uh, you, you get three games from me, whereas I got one game from you. You follow my drift? I appreciate that, and we'll take you up on that. All right, Jack. Appreciate it, man. All right. Ladies and gentlemen, right, Jack man. Ebling, one of the most respected uh, uh, college football analysts out there. He's been around uh, almost as long as radio has been around and does a great job uh, in Lansing covering Michigan State football for, what, almost five decades now. You know, we're going to be back in just a moment going to analyze a play for you from Saturday night, my favorite play of the game, and then I'm going to bring on Boston Ward, uh, speaking of respected journalists, and we're going to quickly break down Ohio State where it stands right now, almost to the midway point of the season. We'll be right back. Hey, college football fans, it's Zach Bourne here. You need to check out BetDSI.com. BetDSI is a great way to use your sports knowledge to make some extra cash. That's right. BetDSI is the top-rated online sports book. They've been paying winners for over 20 years. The reason they've been around that long is because they have got the fastest payouts in the industry. Plus, the user interface and mobile site is the best in the business. Play, win, and get paid. It's that simple. It doesn't matter if it's college football, the NFL, NBA, NHL, UFC, eSports, reality TV, virtually anything. You can bet it. You can bet on it at betdsi.com and get paid right now. There's no better way to add some excitement to games that you already are watching. Check out their live betting where you can bet on games throughout the entire matchup, every play, and every minute until the end. BetDSI has a special deal for Letterman Row fans. Use the promo code ROW100 to get a 100% bonus match. That's more than double, that's right, more than double your money to start winning today. Once again, go to betdsi.com and use promo code ROW100 and get this limited 100% bonus offer to make some extra cash on the sports you know and love. BetDSI promo code ROW100. Now back to the show. Well, welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, Thanks to the... uh Miracle of television and audio and uh, YouTube. I get to analyze a couple of plays now, and uh, I really enjoy doing this segment of this show. The, sh- the play I picked from Saturday night's game, uh, Ohio State at Nebraska, was a, once again a great example of blocking at its finest by a an offensive line that seems to be getting better by the play, much less much less the outing. And this is the uh, big-time uh, Justin Fields run midway through the second quarter, as you can see on the time here. And uh, Ohio State already has a comfortable lead. It's just hammering away at Nebraska's defense. And what I love about this play is we go back, Spencer Holbrook, my, uh, my producer on this show, he's also running the back and forth. Uh, you'll see Ohio State's got uh, three offensive linemen to the right of center here. Uh, Two, two wide receivers to the left, an H-back, a tight end H-back on this side, and uh, this tight end over here is Jake Hausman. Right here, Josh Allaby, uh, I'll be talking about even more as this show goes on, uh, gets to start at right tackle in place of a banged-up Brandon Bowen, and uh, this is just another example of his of a dominating night for him. Uh, 
right guard Wyatt Davis, and then center Josh Myers. But everybody gets a block on this play like a play I analyzed a couple of weeks ago. All right, now let's stop it right there. As you can tell, Ohio State has started here. Justin Fields, uh, it looks like an option play. You know, he's selling the option. The funny thing is, he's not looking at the two guys, the guy they've left unblocked, which is this linebacker. On any, almost any option, you're going to leave somebody unblocked, and that's the guy you read. He's looking right here at what's about to be a hallelujah moment for a fast-running quarterback. As the play develops, the fake to Master Teague the third. Stop it right there, Spencer. Look right here. Wyatt Davis has kicked out, knocked this guy out of the way. Uh, Josh Allaby's gotten to the second level, gotten this guy out of the way. Uh, Josh Myers has fired off. He's at the second level now. He's about to take out this linebacker. And then their nose guard, Josh uh, 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 left, left guard, uh, Jonah Jackson, is taking care of this man, uh, their nose guard. Wow, he just turns them around. Right now, Justin Fields is thinking, oh, my goodness. He's probably thinking something other than that, but I'm trying to keep this show clean. Now watch him just explode through this hole. Everybody that needs to be blocked has been blocked. We had another play earlier this year, as I talked about, where everybody who needed to be blocked has been blocked. The running, the runner, in this case the quarterback, he's got to beat one guy <laughs> to turn this into a touchdown. And as my buddy Boston Ward pointed out, maybe if Justin Fields had just kept the pedal to the metal instead of doing a little Braxton Miller jump there, he might have scored on this play. He definitely seemed to have the speed and the angle, but that little leap allowed their safety to get over in time to make the play knock him out of bounds. But, ladies and gentlemen, let's just keep this running here. Thanks to my buddy Kirk Herbstreit at uh, ESPN who drew this up from the zip cam, which is, by the way, my favorite view in football. Just watch the way this play develops. Watch Wyatt Davis. Watch Josh Allaby. They feign. They do the double team, and then Allaby comes out, seeks a man at the next level. Josh Myers. <laughs> Jonah Jackson took care of the nose guard. Josh Myers comes out and takes care of the linebacker to the second level. The fact that they sold an option to Master Teague the third, you can see what it did with the guy they clearly weren't going to block. You don't usually leave two guys unblocked, but I don't think Justin Fields had any intention of ever giving the ball to Master Teague on this play. Uh Bingo, bango, bongo. You've got a great running play for a fast quarterback. Thanks again, Kirk Herbstreit, for drawing those lines. It's kind of like Vince Lombardi when he said, you got a seam here, you got a seal here, and you run the alley. That's exactly what Justin Fields did. And, uh, wow, uh, there are just so many options, pardon the pun, for this offense moving forward, especially after you've uh, thrown this play up there for a team like Michigan State to deal with this coming week and right on down the line. It seems like every week Ohio State is showing something that the opposing defense has to add to it, the repertoire of getting prepared to face the Buckeyes. You know, we'll be back in just a moment. Uh, Austin Ward, Boston Ward, excuse me, I, I left my, my respectful uh, tone there. Boston Ward now will talk about this play a little bit more and talk about the rise of Master Teague, Justin Fields, and the offensive line, especially the play of Josh Allaby on Saturday night. And we'll touch on some other things uh, when we return. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. 
And that is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Well, boom, by the magic of television. Hello. Boston. Boston Ward, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, how'd you like the way I analyzed that play again, uh, it's my. It's one of my new favorite weekly features at Letterman Row. Yeah. And I wait for it because it's like a miniature version of Buck IQ stuck inside the Tim May podcast, which is my favorite podcast. I just other love, than Beanie and the Boom. I just love uh, – since I was this big, I've been drawing football plays. I'm not kidding. Yeah. X's and O's and stuff, and I just love it, quote-unquote, when a plan comes together. Well, I mean, that's – we got the laser pointer for you, the whole deal here to get into it. I, I mean – I can t- what I like about it is that you I can tell you're having fun doing yeah, it. And yeah. that's that makes it more fun well, for Well, see, I got else. into I got into sports writing back in the mid 70s at, at the height of Watergate and it wasn't cuz <laughs> because I wanted to, I wanted I just, just loved football. Yeah. I figured this is my closest thing I'm ever going to get to uh, cuz you know, I was 6 foot 255 pounds in high school and uh, they, like I said they could have they could have filmed uh, Friday Night Lights at my high school in yeah. Lufkin, Texas. Uh I mean, you didn't make the football team at 6'2", 155, and <laughs> you run the uh, run the forty yard dash in about four or five days. I mean, that that wasn't going to cut it. But uh, always, I've, I've always loved like uh, just the the scheme part of football. Mm-hmm. But then I always remember that the scheme part includes guys, big guys running into each other, <laughs> and that's what people discount, like Charlie Weiss. Yeah, and when, and when you're talking about that too, like getting into it and Watergate, and I've referenced this when we talked about Tennessee a few weeks ago. Like, I got into it because, A, couldn't – you know, I played quarterback up until I was not good enough to play anymore uh, because of this limited physical – By the way, my uh, brother's always made me the quarterback for our neighborhood team because yeah. I didn't like to get hit. But that stuff, like <laughs> – I mean, and I don't know if it's exactly what you're saying, but I didn't want to ever get into uh, – I didn't get into this profession to write about the guys that were holding up the liquor stores at Tennessee. I wanted to yeah. be around coaches – Get to know players who work really, really hard and all have great stories, and then why you know the games like that's what we get into it for, and I think that's that's really been nice recently with uh, Ohio State moving away from some of the off the field issues that a lot of other schools have had. Yeah. Uh, knock on wood there, but the kids that they've recruited, it's not just lip service. They are really smart, really hardworking. They've largely stayed out of trouble, and so we get to talk about football more than any well, you, you nonsense heard, away from it. You heard me in preseason. I said this is a quality roster, yeah. and I'm not talking about the football players. I mean, they're, uh, I've covered a lot of football. I've yeah. covered a lot of football rosters, and uh, this is about as quality a person per capita roster as Ohio State's ever had, in my opinion. And uh, that pays dividends <laughs> down the road. It pays dividends. This is what people don't understand. You know, when uh, the reason they have they developed Sasso and the reason they developed, uh, you know, being on these guys about their grades, et cetera, way back when, is because you can say, well, you're trying to help them get their your degree, which you are. Right. But the bottom line is, it keeps that distraction away from the football team. When you're chasing a guy about getting a, he needs to get a, you know, you know, a C on his exam this or week. Just or just go to class. Or yeah, or just go to <laughs> class, but needs to get a C just to play this week, you know, et cetera. That takes away from preparation. Coaches hate hate distractions. Yeah. And uh, this this team has done, especially under 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 Urban Meyer. I'm not saying the other guys, Jim Trestle's guys, didn't do it either, right, John right. Cooper, but they've definitely taken it up a notch in the last five years. Yeah, it's it's a huge relief. I mean, coaches are not going to sleep 
at any time. They're still going to worry about it constantly. Right. These guys should let them get maybe another hour or two. And then you go into a bye week, and as opposed to, you know, you and I have both been in this situation. It's Friday night during the bye week. You think that you're going to maybe get some time off, and then you get that call. I was getting uh, ready to tee off in a scramble. Uh, <laughs> what was that, 2015? Yeah. yeah. And uh, my, I get a phone call, and it's uh, – it was like 8 o'clock in the morning at Middle Memorial Golf Course, and it's one of my guys telling me, you better check the police plotter. Your quarterback, JT Barrett, just got pulled over for DUI last night. That I'm was going, one of the most unbelievable you ones kidding? that I I would never, ever would have guessed. That yeah. yeah. Anyway. So never plan when you're a sports writer. Never plan to do anything. Don't ever. ever. Don't ever take time off. Yeah. But it's a lot easier now. Now that I'm sort of a part-time guy, thanks to my man Will Crawl and, uh, and, uh, this, and this gig here at Letterman Row, you know, I don't have to worry about that stuff as much, uh, thanks to you. But uh, real quickly, let's hit this real quickly. That yeah. was a definite huge digression. Um, as we usually do. Uh, five games into the season, Ohio State has yet to be hmm. formally challenged, unless you call, count going down five to nothing to Miami of Ohio, uh, a game which they rebounded to rally and win 76-5. to five. What a comeback. Uh just keep this short, yeah. okay? Biggest surprise of this football team uh, to this moment. I'm talking about Ohio State, not Miami of Ohio. The biggest surprise from a big-picture perspective is just how good the defense has been under Greg Madison and Jeff Halfley. I, th- I expected – you could have – I've said this to you before. If they had brought back last year's staff, these guys were so experienced, they had so many players back, and they're still so talented, there would have been some improvement – but they clearly needed a massive change in approach, better communication from yeah. those defensive coaches. And these guys, I think, have a lot of ideas how to use them. So I always said that Damon Arnett and Malik Harrison and Jordan Fuller, obviously, but you know some other guys, Sean Cornell, that those guys had potential to be stars. And now this, this, def- this defensive coaching staff is bringing it out of them. So I thought there would be stel- slow, steady growth, but the way that they have taken off, they are just exponentially – better than I thought they they would be at this point and I, you have a legitimate case that that's the best defense in America yeah you know you heard me talking to Jack Ebling yep. uh, early in the show and uh, that's what I told him I said and the other thing is you're two real there are two true studs on this defense and I'm uh, there are other Boy. guys that are really good but Chase Young and Jeffrey Okuda are are the best at their at their position I think in the country mm-hmm. I don't know if you agree or not I that's just my take and Okuda is just the last several games last year and the first five games this year has just exploded. I think there's no question that Chase Young is the best defensive end in America. I think there's no question he's the best defensive player in the country. I think there's a strong case to be made as well that he's the best overall player in the country. And if he played quarterback for Ohio State the way Justin Fields is, because Justin, I think, is going to go to New York City. But if he played on the offensive side of the ball, the Heisman race would be over. I thought Nick Bosa could have done a dark horse run last year if yeah, he stayed healthy. Absolutely. But Chase Young is putting together this kind of special season. The numbers, if he stays healthy, uh, and Larry Johnson will be knocking on wood for that every single night in Ryan Day, the numbers he's going to put up are going to be astronomical for a defensive end. They're going to be hard to ignore. Now, people still do that, and Dominican Sue should have won the Heisman. Didn't happen. Um, but you're right. Akuda. Now that I, he's playing differently now that he's got the interceptions, and you talked about this before, that once that once that monkey came off his back, to use his own words, he's a different guy. The confidence you can see he's playing with is completely different. I think even from the first drive of the Miami game, 
once he got the pick after that, it was like, okay, I'm back and rolling. And, yeah. and, and they're, I think Malik Harrison is playing special as well. I throw him in and Jordan Fuller. I mean, I'd go down the list, but you're right. If you're talking about those two, yeah. they have cases to be the best. No, I think Malik Harrison still has a ways to go to just be that force that he should be. Right. I mean, but he, you know, I mean, he was raring to go the other night, you know, that uh, late <laughs> hit out of bounds. I mean, just shows you. If it had been in Canada, he'd been all right, right? <laughs> he'd been just fine. Yeah. But uh, but the bottom line, and Jordan Fuller, I mean, I've always respected what he does at, at safety, et cetera. But, uh, hey, uh, you know, just uh, let's do, have a little quick update here. We'll probably find out more as the week goes along. Sure. Josh Proctor, did that look like a serious – I mean, it looked like a left left shoulder situation for him. Now that Isaiah Pryor's entered the uh, – the uh, transfer portal, that's kind of a – got to keep an eye on these kind of guys now, the backups. Yeah, uh, I, I think the early indications that I heard was, was that Proctor would be okay moving forward. Yeah. It's a little bit uh, – I don't know it, the exact details for what happened there. They did take a look at him in the tent there, as you saw uh, on the broadcast, Tim, and then they pulled him back out pretty quickly after that. Saw him on the field after the game. Didn't look to be in any tremendous discomfort. Sometimes – we can read too much or too little into it, but they didn't take him into the locker room. They didn't do anything yeah, yeah. Uh, in that situation. That's usually a good sign. So, uh, I mean, that's one to watch. The other one, just to get there, that I think is going to be really interesting this week with Brandon Bowen because he went through workouts. Uh, you, know, you and I have, have heard that that's – I was going to get to Brandon Bowen. Yeah, that, that's, ahead. that yeah. it's a back injury, uh, that he had an MRI for that going into uh, last week or sometime in the two weeks he was being evaluated for that. Right. He went through it in the pregame. He looked to be, uh, you know, he looked fine doing that stuff. Was moving, uh, held him out as a precautionary measure, you know, or, or just that he didn't quite get that full clearance. But now the way Josh Allaby played, I, I, you hate to take somebody's job for injury, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, as I pointed out, and when I was analyzing that play, Josh Allaby, I mean, he had, he didn't just fill in. He had a great game. He was the player Nebraska. of the game. Yes. Uh, and that Ohio State almost never does that. Right. To, to point the to point a spotlight on one offensive lineman. But he dominated. I mean, it was unbelievable at times. I mean, they got a good push from a lot of guys. But uh, So what do you think happens there? You got Nicholas Petit-Freer sitting there. Yeah, I, I think it – I mean, A, and I keep saying this, you got to feel good about if you're Greg Stradrawa about the depth you have there. Um, and now we know for sure what Ohio State would do. Uh, if something pops up, Albie's going in there, right tackle yeah, ahead second, of Nicholas Petit. Your third best tackle plays. So, so we've got that information, and I think that that also would Im- is informative for the rest of the depth. If something were to happen to Jonah Jackson um, or Wyatt Davis, I think that means that you would potentially kick Bowen back inside, and then have Albie still stay out there at right tackle. Yeah. So that's a, he's sort of the de facto number six, but swing. Guy. But he did not play like a swing guy. No. I mean, he was he was mauling people. And normally when I watch it live the first time through in the in the stadium, I'm not great at picking up the offensive line play. It's hard to evaluate. So you got to be like me now where you're well, just kind of getting to watch the game. You've got the of, replays. Yeah. But, but I'm telling you, in Memorial Stadium, I am noticing he is destroying yeah. people in opening holes. And by that I meant by that I meant my even when I'm with you you know, you guys in Ohio <laughs> Stadium, I'm just watching the game now. I mean I can zero in on Chase Young because I'm not worried about where the ball is going, sure. you know. Uh but yeah, he was. I mean it was he put on a for whatever term, a backups clinic. <laughs> and, and and look, it's this is twice in the last six games for Ohio State that Josh Albies had to do it. He played did it on the left side for Thayer Munford. Yes. And the fact that he's versatile enough to go do it on the right side for Brandon Bowen uh, on the road against Nebraska and in the Rose Bowl against a really good defense, it's not like he just went out there and helped them survive against Miami of Ohio. Yeah. He went out there and took it to Nebraska. And Ohio State, 
they dominated the line of scrimmage. There's no other way to put it. People were talking about that for the Indiana game, how impressive it was and how they moved it on every down. This is a much more talented Nebraska team than Indiana, and they had no shot in the yeah. trenches. Yeah, I mean, I thought they were better than they were against Indiana, and it always helps, yeah. you know, when a when a team's playing two technique in front of you to a certain extent, the guy's going to be right there, you know. Yeah. So, and uh, Ohio State took advantage of that. Uh, hey, one other quick thing, and before we get out of here, <coughs> I, I, I keep bringing him up every week, but <laughs> Master Teague the third, mm-hmm. not advocating Master Teague the third should be the starting running back, but when you've got two fastballs that you can throw at people now, like J.K. Dobbins and Master Teague the third, which I think he has been his biggest surprise. I mean, that was a uh, preseason. That was a, a question mark. Uh, yep. is, for this deep for this team was where's the depth at running back? Right. Holy smokes! Uh, it's there. Yeah. And that was the big thing. Well, Master Teague was hurt during August, so they didn't know what they were going to do. But I would, and just as a quick aside, Marcus Crowley, uh, the four carries I believe he finished 45 yards. Yeah. That guy is already coming along. I know for a fact that Tony Alford uh, believes big things are coming for him. Yes. So that's another potential fastball if they needed it. But what's interesting to me about the way they used Teague and Dobbins on Saturday night was that. That was the first time in a long time that I watched Dobbins run and I saw the guy from Indiana in 2017. And what I mean by that is he, the, the cliche of running downhill, he looked like he was shot out of a cannon. Yes. Um, and, he, you know, he's, he's not always finishing these runs in the end zone. Uh, he hasn't, you know, broke off a bunch of 60-yard runs in his career. But he is, is back to that point where it was blocked for three and four and he was getting 10 and dragging guys forward for 15. Yes. And that yards per carry is on the rise. Um, and that's to take – that helps Teague, okay? Dobbins is wearing people out, and he is a handful. And then you have Justin Fields, and then you have this changeup where Teague runs so physically. Yes. Uh, I, I was – the most impressive run, when you brought up his name, the first thing I thought of was that throwback screen. And when Teague got it, he just put his head down and went. And, you know, not a lot of guys always do that when you get those plays. They're okay, where's – how's this thing blocked? Uh, can I make this a turn in any more? He was like, no, I'm, I'm getting 26 yards. It's right in front of me, and I'm taking it. And I, I'm, I've been extremely impressed. <coughs> then he had the touchdown run, of course. But yeah. uh, Master Teague, I, and I told him this two weeks ago, when you were uh, at home breaking down the Indiana game, getting that perspective for us, I walked up to Teague after the game and was interviewing him. I said, hey, I can only speak for myself. I'm not going to speak for the rest of the media. I thought you'd be a short yardage back. You know? Yeah. I, I was wrong. You've proven me wrong. And he kind of, you know, laughed it off. But the guy has way more potential than I. Than I, I challenge ever people to go back and watch his highlights. You know, uh, in high school at Blackman High School in Murfreesboro, home of uh, Middle Tennessee State. I'll never forget that yeah. day. I asked him, "Did you ever consider Middle Tennessee State?" <laughs> and he laughed. Uh, he, he had bigger, but he wanted it's to leave Alabama, home. Alabama, Ohio yeah. State, and he MTSU. wanted to leave home for for college. Just you throw, know? you know, throw that home team cap on the table to give yeah. him a bump. Yeah, exactly. But uh, uh, he. He had some games where he would break it clear, and he looked like that breakaway back, you know. And uh, and the other night, man, at Nebraska, he looked at he looked the same. A couple of those uh, couple of those plays, that little swing, like you're talking about, swing pass he caught. Where the funny thing is, I thought uh, Justin Fields kind of threw it a little bit crazily, but it actually set him up. Yeah, it launched Master Teague the third, and it was a nice nice throw. Real quick, uh, before we go, uh, give me give me 20 seconds on why this is a big challenge on Saturday night in the horseshoe for Ohio State. Michigan State coming to town, without a doubt, the best defense Ohio State has faced this year. Wow, 20 seconds. I I, I tend to think the last couple of years that Michigan State is building up 
their defensive stats against lighter opposition. And the amount of points they gave up to Indiana on Saturday tells me it's not going to be a Ten challenge. Ten seconds left. I think, look, they, they might see the jerseys and have nightmares about some other games from the past if they're aware of all that history. But in terms of personnel scheme, I don't see it. I don't think Ohio State is Representative have Austin Ward, your problems. time is but, done. Oh, come Representative on. Austin Ward, yes, you know, like in a Senate hearing. No, yeah. <laughs> I agree with you. Ding! I agree with you 100. percent I mean this, and the thing I we've talked about on this show before, we're going to keep talking about this Ohio State repertoire offensively. I oh, mean, you can't stop it. No, just just look at. I mean, how do you stop it without getting to the quarterback repeatedly? And you know, Mark D'Antonio's his theme song when he was a defensive coordinator was "Affect the Quarterback." Uh, we're going to see if he can do that on Saturday well, night. And here's the deal. To, I, I promise I'll keep this to, fi- to 15 seconds. But Go. If you're going to stop a team like Ohio State that has that much talent on offense, they have to hurt themselves. They have to turn the football over. And this team doesn't do that. Right. Justin Fields may from time to time hold the football too long, but if he's taking two sacks a game instead of throwing one pick or two picks, you take that every day. Zero interceptions through five games. That's what fuels the offense. If you don't turn it over to Michigan State, you don't lose. Yeah. By the way, my favorite play uh, for him on Saturday night wasn't a touchdown pass. It was it was the way he escaped on that one play and then threw the ball back over the middle. It's the and one who, to Farrell. And who caught the ball? Luke, Luke Farrell, ladies and gentlemen. He's in the house. He's got a catch. All four tight ends now have a catch, guys. Yeah. All right. Well, ladies and gentlemen, that's my show, uh, podcast once again this week, uh, heading up to Ohio State versus Michigan State on Saturday night in the Horseshoe. Ohio State now getting some votes even for number one in the country. Impressive showings, and it seems to be growing. Uh, Absolutely. We'll see as this season goes if they can keep this uh, keep this rise going. But until next week, uh, I want to thank you for joining me. This is Tim May from the Tim May Podcast. See you later.